Hi, my name is Michael Pulley, and I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My friends are obsessed and always make jokes and references to it. And so now, 20 years later, I've been convinced to watch the show from beginning to end, one episode a week. I'm a Buffy virgin. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Buffy Virgin. My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to season three, episode 15, Consequences. And with me on the show today is Dennis St. John, a horror comics cartoonist. Hey, happy to be here. John Teach, Lando, Landis. That's me, I suppose. Hi. <laughs> Teach. Teach. Bad draw, bad draw, Dennis, and I'm Scalpel. And Scalpel. <laughs> or Travis. Travis. Man with either no last name or two last names. And I only own a blue sweatshirt. Because whenever we record this, it's laundry day. <laughs> and it's my laundry um, day too. That's yeah. In each episode, we discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer until uh, we've had enough. And we're going to be talking about consequences. <laughs> and we're going to talk through reactions. We'll do a summary. Great lines. We're noticing trivia questions, themes. And then I will make, as a virgin, make predictions about what might happen in future episodes. Dennis does a kill count. And then we have recommendations for other content shows and movies you might like if you like this specific episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So uh, we want to start with reactions. So these are uh, reactions I've seen on the YouTube channel in the past week since we've recorded. There's been two comments uh, that relate to the show and how the opinions we've had. So the first one here is from Bad Girl from Kaipa. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this, right? Kaipa, N-G-O-Y-I, me. Uh, but says, uh, actually, about the cleaning glasses scene, Giles totally notices they're both doing it and stops himself. Does anybody know exactly what that's in reference to? So, yeah, in, in Bad Girls, uh, it was the first time we meet uh, Wesley, and there's all these jokes about how uh, Wesley is stuffy in the same way that Giles is, except we don't like Wesley, whatever. Um, I like Wesley. Um, and, well, we, we, the audience, are not meant to like, like Wesley <laughs> uh, at this point, anyway. Um, and... Uh, there's a moment where, yeah, they take off their glasses simultaneously and clean them. Uh, but he does point out that there is a, there's a, it's very subtle. At least I missed it the first 10 times I saw this episode or whatever, where uh, Tony Head notices and kind of grimaces and stops what he's doing. It's great. It's a nice little moment. So thanks for pointing it out. And then we have another reaction that we were debating whether or not to put at the end for predictions, but it's from uh, SAGF9. Uh, from uh, the Zeppo. And he said, I listened to your Inca Mummy Girl podcast. I have to mention he, Michael, totally deserves the point for the Xander virginity monster prediction. Back then, he defined monsters, anything supernatural, including Buffy as a slayer. There's no doubt this has to count. P.S. Great show. Enjoy your podcast. Well, thank you so much about the podcast thing. And I'm going to play that clip uh, because I think it's very important to have the evidence in front of you <laughs> because I lost that ruling. So hold on. Let me grab this one. <laughs> He will not lose his virginity to a human. Oh, no, no. He'll never right. have sex with a human. No, only monsters. <laughs> okay, so what I have is I have Xander will never love a human woman. Do I need to make a... <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. There's a lot of little details to this prediction, as we know. <laughs> right, so how can I put this down succinctly? I think it's just the sex thing. Mike's just really focused on the sex thing. Yeah, Xander will get horny after all kinds of women, all women, human or monster, but he will... <laughs> loses virginity to a monster woman and whatever long-term relationship he develops, if he develops it, will be with a monster woman. And okay. I, I will probably have to get into a lot of semantic arguments over monster woman because <laughs> the show is very special about what it considers monsters and not. 
Buffy, I consider a monster in this case. So if there's another supernatural lady who's tough or whatever that Xander can get, get be involved with, like that's the monster woman. Okay. I don't mean like another high school student. Um, I mean like from another planet or with crazy Buffy powers or like a vampire hunter, you know, like that shit. Okay. So I'm stopping now. We get it. All right. Anyway. Uh, Vindication. Vindication. I now, like now. I would like to point out, as a simple lawyer, to defend my client Faith, that she, my defense that she is not a monster. I pull, I pull into Exhibit A. Let me grab. This is a scene that I have censored, so you cannot tell the content context. It is from a future episode. I will not say what season. It could be this. <laughs> But you will be able to recognize the character. And she, can you correctly identify this character, Michael? Uh, for the record, uh, that appears to be uh, Willow, uh, Alan Al- 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 Hannigan's par- uh, character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and now, can you please, uh, for the record, read what she is saying, she is saying in the scene? Uh, the subtitle on the screen says, well, technically, Faith isn't a monster. Now, 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 I say. <laughs> if within the context of the show, a character in the show canonically describes that Faith is not technically a monster, why should we, why should we, outside the canon of the show, declare her as such? Now, thank you. The defense rests. Or wait, no, I'm the, am I the defense or the prosecution? <laughs> uh, i'm about to stop share there we go I-, I would like to point out that i started all of this off apparently two years ago or whatever by asking for us to be concise <laughs> <laughs> not much of a chance of that uh no i obviously mike you set out very clearly what your definition of monster was and i think uh willow's whatever future definition of monster she's operating out of is less relevant i think than than your definition of monster because it's your prediction that's how so yeah i'm just saying faith is not considered a monster within the context of the show she is a human being and has the rights and privileges of a human being not a monster um so i wrote the summary this week but i didn't have time to record it so i will just read it aloud right now remember last week when buffy and faith were so close The dead deputy's mayor body has surfaced. Wesley Wyndham Price wants Buffy and Faith to investigate the murder, meaning investigate themselves. Wesley also wants Cordelia, Uh, but that's another story. The guilt, the terrible guilt, it's getting to Buffy, but Faith seems five by five. Oh, also B and Faith find out that Mr. Trick and the mayor are in cahoots. Buffy can't take it anymore and tells Willow and tries to tell Giles, but someone has already beaten her to the punch. Faith told Giles that Buffy's the murderer. But don't worry, no one can believe sweet, innocent Buffy capable of such horror. Angel rescues Xander from a Faith-directed snuff film and starts to do some (laughs) therapy on her with a baseball bat and chains. Uh, It's not as kinky as it sounds. But before he can get through to her, Wesley and his watcher goons show up and capture Faith. Faith quickly escapes, the incompetent junior watcher. Buffy finds Faith at the docks, but they're ambushed by Mr. Trick and his mayoral vampire gang. Faith saves Buffy from Trick. Maybe there's hope for her after all. Maybe they can hug and cry and learn and grow. But wait, what's this? Faith's knocking on the mayor's door, looking for a job. Dun, dun, dun. All right, that's it. (laughs) 
man great summary super succinct short. i'm going for short yeah well done uh shall we get into great lines with uh complete impressions of characters yes John Landis, I see you at the top of the document. I'm at the top of the document because I actually have some great lines. I usually try to skip out on this part. Um, I liked when uh, Cordelia says to, uh, upon meeting Wesley Wyndham Price, she says, I like a man with two last names. <laughs> uh, is that why Travis likes Wesley so much? Um, ah, well, our audience wouldn't know, but Travis, how many last names do you have? Two. Coincidence. Uh, I also I'm enjoyed when Faith. Uh, Price. What was that? I said I'm even more dysfunctional than Wesley Wyndham Price. <laughs> um, I also enjoyed when the uh, detective uh, said, uh, "You know, there's whatever there's splinters in the stab wound. Does that mean anything to you?" And Faith says, "Yeah, whoever did it wasn't hip to the Bronze Age." That was a good one. It was. I good. was going to do that one also. I'm glad you other people appreciate it. <laughs> I also like the idea of Slayers stabbing people with like a bronze sword. <laughs> uh, I got the next two. Um, whatever. I'm not looking to. I'm not looking to hug and cry and learn and grow. I'm just saying it happened quick. You know. I just like her delivery on hug and cry and learn and grow. I think that's like <laughs> really good. Um, and this is from Wesley. Code word: monkey. M. Oh, and oh, oh, just put him on. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, making the pretentious British guy say monkey. It's funny. Well, oh, yeah. that's the code word so that you can talk to the, what's the guy, the head watcher guy, Quentin I forget his Travis. name. Quentin. Yeah. It's just the code word so you can talk to him on the phone. Yeah. Is that just, it's just a code word so he doesn't have to, like, so he can screen his calls. Is that what that is? You already have to, like, probably be a watcher to even get that number, right? Yeah. <laughs> I imagine this is just something his like personal assistant does to be a dick to Wesley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that a spy movie trope? It might. I mean, it's got to be in something, right? I don't. Oh, I don't have, I have no reference. Well, I feel like you need a code word so you can get into the speakeasy, but that's like a physical going through the door thing, not just talking to someone. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. And then uh, Travis, you're next here. Oh man, I've got a great code word story after the podcast <laughs> stops uh, filming. Uh, surprised even me um <clears throat> not a safety, safety word. words are for wussies sorry not a safety word a code <laughs> word i was like wow okay um oh yes the mayor the slayer up for murder one that's like champagne and roses so no one i was trying to think but when did the phrase murder one come into the lexicon i couldn't really i couldn't really date it like as people saying murder one instead of first degree murder um but a long, a long time. But it does seem somebody like Al Capone sort of thing. The Slayer up for murder one. You know, it seems very like 1920s, 30s. Hmm. Like there weren't bigger problems. So like that was a phrase, you know, nuclear Armageddon had been, you know, invented. So <laughs> yeah, so murder would be the worst. Murder one. Murder one. <laughs> uh, and then I, I really like this interchange between Faith and Angel. Uh, when he uh, kid, you know, captures her, right? Like after uh, saving Xander. Finally decided to tie me up, huh? I always knew you weren't really a one-slayer guy. I'm sorry about the chains. It's not that I don't trust you. Actually, it is. I don't trust you. And uh, it's a great, fun scene. Can I get a timestamp on that cat face? 
Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see a cat enter your screen? Am I, am I being? Oh. Oh, no, I wasn't crazy. looking. No, that's no, no, great. That was awesome. There was like this cat that 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 his face momentarily like showed up on screen. It was great. People want to know that timestamp. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. All right, we'll figure so that out later. Moving on here to weird noticings and trivia. John, you've got the first noticing. I just want to point out that the uh, Summers ladies are really into pajamas. They both got like. You know, I don't think their pajamas are particularly special, but they're just like, they made an effort to put on nice pajamas, both of them. Mm -hmm. none of, nobody's sleeping in like undershirts and stuff. It's just, they have pajamas, which I don't feel like that <laughs> many people have. Dress shirts. That's like the upgrade to the pajama situation. <laughs> it's better better to sleep in a dress shirt? That's the upgrade? No, I mean, like, there's few there's few upgrades to the pajama situation. Oh, few, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's nowhere up to go from here with these pajamas. These are, these are nice. A-plus pajamas. <laughs> well, there's... if you have roommates, pajamas are important. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. That's uh, true. Dennis, um, you have a point here about Faith's ability to hide bodies. Yeah, I just say Faith sucks at hiding bodies. How hard can it possibly be to hide a body in Sunnydale? <laughs> I mean, they just drop like flies. I mean, it's surely so there's like, you just move them to the woods and some like goblin eats the skin or whatever. Like. <laughs> uh, you got fish go. monsters, you got Oz, you got just regular yeah. zombies. Yeah, just give it to Oz. <laughs> Oh yeah, just hide it till the full moon and Oz is like garbage day. That's great. He's got a friend at freezer. Deep freeze that bad boy until then. I mean, I I, I feel like this kind of makes sense though because in you know Sunnydale, the cops kind of you know turn a blind eye most of the time to most things, but they're under special directions from the mayor because he cares about this person. Yeah. So I feel I mean, like it kind of makes sense that they're making a bigger deal out of this. She couldn't wait down murder. the body. That's the deal. She yeah, said I mean, she weighed, she said she weighed down the body, but she didn't weigh it down properly. Which will bring me to one of my recommendations. She's never committed murder before. Well, she's also, <laughs> Faith has never come off as that bright, I, I have to say, in this show. One, take. Uh, is there a misstep missing? Want, take, no, grab? I don't know. Want, take, have. Want, take, have? Uh, yeah. Um, That's how um, cavemen order at restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, cavemen would also struggle to do the same and a CSI work of hiding their bodies. Probably hiding bodies. That's a late stage uh, civilization thing. Uh, the, the th uh, I uh, really love the Wesley, Zan uh, Wesley Cordelia flirtation. Uh, it's made me like Wesley a million times more. Though I don't really like Wesley. It's like a complicated statement. I like it because Wesley comes across as super vulnerable in the flirtation scene. Yeah. And like, he's definitely like a weakling. Like he's junior Giles, you know, junior two Giles in the last episode, but watching him like be vulnerable um, was a really like sweet scene. And I, I really liked it. So he's such a dangerous person <laughs> for the Scooby gang in general. I don't like him. I know that everybody likes him just because based on the general enthusiasm around him. So I'll have a prediction about that later, but I like that scene so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, John. I, oh, good, sir. Oh, I, I feel like our next conversations are about this scene. Um, yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot to unpack about Wesley hitting on a teenager. Um, Agree. Oh, and that maybe me liking it puts me in trouble. But 
It's, stuff, it's, it's a great scene. It's like it's a funny, awkward scene. It's got and, so many discoveries as jokes in it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know that she's a kid, you know, she's a teen. And everything. Yeah. And part of that, I think I can like, just because Cordelia does not look like a high school student. Right. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. And they, they play with that and they joke about that, that she lot. does look like an adult because she's being played by an adult. An adult. A 26 year old adult. Um, um, but I mean, <laughs> jailbait. I don't know. Like they even have faith say jailbait which is like a thousand times more uncomfortable now than it was when they wrote it like because elijah yeah. Duke has talked about being called jailbait you know yeah uh, that's that's a really yikes yeah that that line didn't age very well like it as a funny line didn't age did, as did you say something like two words wesley jail yeah. yeah i feel like there was like a she did a funny thing uh, and then yeah. John here, you were impressed with what Cordelia was reading. Well, just that, I mean, I'm impressed on two levels because first of all, Cordelia is in the high school psychology class apparently, and she's just reading these massive tomes of Freud and Jung in the original text, which is not like a textbook as far as we can tell. That's impressive. I mean, it's just, that's difficult reading for a high school student, I feel like. And then also the way that she gets books is she just goes in and shouts, Freud! Young and she doesn't say what book she wants or what work she wants. And Giles just like, all right, two giant hardback tomes for you coming up. And like, I feel well, like uh, I'd like to try that at a library one day. Just like go in and be like, book me. Yeah, just, just shout authors. Just go in and be like, well, me Shakespeare. Work. Like it book totally me is a great callback joke or a it's a call forward joke. Book me, right? That's a really funny. Like call forward. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it, it well, it would make sense within the context of a school library, right? That yeah, you do another reading list and be like, "I'm in this class. Can I have the book?" And the librarian might know, like, "All right, everybody in this class is checking out this book." Like, it's yeah, book. Yeah. For what it's worth, I do not doubt, by the way, that Cordelia is reading Freud and Jung because I was, uh, I was, it was pointed out to me that I was underestimating Cordelia in a previous episode, and I, I, Don't I get feel like that again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you. Cordelia is smart, yes. Yeah, she's smart. She's, she's, she, she's probably, uh, I'm sure she's going to devour those books. And uh, Dennis, you've noticed a very important thing about uh, Buffy's uh, criminal past. I'm, I'm just saying this is the third time Buffy has been a person of interest in a homicide. <laughs> I think it's the same detective. It's always like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it is the same detective. I was looking at that and I feel like, Instead of, you know, there's all these like Instagram tags, like rich kids on Instagram. I feel like there should be an Instagram tag. Like if you were, like if you were a bit actor who, who like investigated Buffy and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I feel like you should have a, your own tag. Like I tried to investigate Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, this like seems it's like, like it's also like the easiest time for Joyce. Like, cause the first time was Ted. The second time was when she just yeah. found out she was a slayer and Kendra died, right? And this time like Faith- Joyce is, isn't even in Joyce, it really. Well, Joyce <laughs> is into it now. She like- yeah. The cops are there. She's just like, I'm a little disappointed in you for murdering that man. <laughs> Every time it's like a different invest. I feel, I feel like because there's one who was for Giles when when Jenny was murdered, and there was a female, a woman, a female detective who showed up when his friend from the old country like was killed by that monster. Right? I feel like there's just like you know, hapless investigators of Sunny of, of Sunnydale like Instagram tag that should be out there. <laughs> I, I mean, three detectives, three investigations. There's four. There's at least four we different ones. Three on Buffy. Three investigations oh, on, Buffy. on Buffy being a person of interest. Two on Giles. You know what? It yes. would be a fun like you could do a Twitter account, which would be like Sunnydale Detectives or something like that. And then yeah, and if you like, 
all evidence seems to be pointing to this, the same high school girl. I'm going to stop my investigation now. You'll never see, you'll never hear from me again. I'm going to just reassign myself. You know, it's like, uh, John, you've got the next two here. Uh, okay. Faith and Giles. Uh, yeah. So I just think it was interesting. I, I don't think it's a, uh, it sounds like a gripe, but it's not a gripe that um, Faith's move is that she's going to go and tell Giles uh, and lie to Giles that and say, say that Buffy, Buffy was the one who committed the murder. I think it's interesting because if she really doesn't care, like she says she doesn't care, uh, she wouldn't bother to lie to Giles. She would just skip town or something, right? She said she's going to like hop a uh, freighter or whatever. Um, so I kind of think that uh, it kind of shows that on some level she cares what Giles thinks because the only reason to do, to do that is because you care about people's opinion, I feel like. Because yeah. it would have been much easier for her to skip town rather than like take the risk of lying. Uh, yeah, I think she's trying to stay in town as long as she can. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't it's also a thing of like she knows, yet, like it's her. It's, she betrays Buffy in that scene, right? Which is like right. part of it. And but it's also like her maybe doing that before, like trying to beat Buffy to the punch of it. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, and logistically, there are two Slayers now. There can be one Slayer, and that'll be okay. Though now, if one Slayer dies, does that trigger another Slayer? <laughs> Probably. But you know there could be one Slayer. I think, uh, and then of course it makes sense for for her character because she doesn't have any friends, so she doesn't really work understand how loyalty or like trust works. So in her mind, oh Giles will believe her because she's the one who says it first. But clearly that's not how trust or no, yeah. I think a lot of this episode makes sense. So much about how being seventeen and and how Faith barely understands other humans at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is like rough i don't know this is an interesting episode to me and part of it is that like faith is so awful in it but she doesn't come off as totally unsympathetic because she's like in such a worse position than than buffy is right she's like yeah absolutely uh like less taken care of and everything um right I, I just felt I was shocked so many times during the episode. I, I yelled, oh, shit, so many times watching this. <laughs> there were just so many reversals. And then, like, once we get into the bits, you know, where Faith is, like, making big plays, like, they're all here. I mean, and then the Watcher Council, it's like, this is crazy. What's happening? This is happening so fast. Uh, and then, John, you're talking about Xander being brought into the conversation. Which conversation? So, basically, like, there's, there's this, a lot of this episode revolves around who knows about the murder and who knows what. And so like uh, Buffy ends up telling Willow because they have like a touching moment together, right? And she breaks down and cries, which makes sense. And then she goes and tells Giles because that's really what this is all about is like, you know, telling Giles because he's the authority, right? And so Giles finds out because, you know, Faith lies and Giles sees through it, whatever. But then like we kind of cut to Xander already knows and they're all sitting around together. And they tell Xander apparently and Xander is like, oh, well, I have an idea about how to handle this. And then they're all like, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> kind of begs the question, like, why even tell him? Like, well, it's- <laughs> I mean, because Xander's part of the show. I know. I know it's because Xander's part of the show. I mean, I know also- the story reason, but yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, because that scene is also like, that's the only time this episode where it's just like the main cast, right? Right. And it's like the show is like. The characters have like spread and enlarged and stuff, but these are the main four characters, right? So you need to like pull them in together sometimes and be like, this yeah. is still the crew, you know? 
Yep. Um, no, this is just part of my, you know, ongoing project to uh, our ongoing project to assassinate Xander's character and talk about his worthlessness. And this is uh, just, uh, you know, another opportunity to do that. This is a good episode for him. I don't remember him doing anything really terrible. No, agree. I agree. And I agree as far as that goes. Yeah. So I, th- I think the Zepp, you know, the Zeppo still stands. It's like that moment in sand where. I like um, in that scene when, uh, like, they cut to Willow understanding what Xander's talking about and everybody else gets, like, a full, like, minute yeah. before they catch it. And, you know, that's a. I, I, yeah, back that up and watched it again just to watch her reaction shots because they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was surprised when they cut after that to the Willow uh, in tears, you know, weird scene. I, and I was confused because I felt like there was this resolution to something for her that like, I didn't think that was a part of the show anymore. But it was very sweet. It was a, it was a touching thing to see. Yeah, yeah I awesome. think Travis and I want to... Oh, oh, sorry. I need to jump ahead. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, no. I mean, just in deep themes and deep stuff. I think we want to talk oh, okay. about what Willow's going through this episode. Yeah, I, I yep, same point. Uh, okay, so we'll get to that later. Uh, okay, uh, so Dennis, you have a fashion comment here about what Faith wears when you go to visit her uh, at the motel. Yeah, I mean, she just seemed like she was in for the night watching TV, but like she was dressed up. Uh, she had her pleather pants and her like sheer top and everything. Uh, <laughs> Does she own anything that isn't pleather pant wise? I don't remember. I can't even place her not wearing some sort of leather or pleather. <laughs> but I agree. Uh, and you know the know, uh, Spartans exclusively wore pleather pants. Yeah. <laughs> Very Spartan. Spartan. Uh, she also has a really great line reading of the word, like, she's like, well, it's all moot now, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's all moot. Oh, this is a great segue talking about accents because uh, Faith's accent creeps in there. And then uh, my what I've I've been re- I've been watching a lot about British accents and. Um, the past week whatever this is a side side situation that's happening um but i think what um uh alexis or wesley Wyndham price is the window watchers accent is something called received pronunciation and and uh, i think he mostly succeeds at it and it, it will um but it's sort of like the it's like the, the the standard television broadcast um accent and there's whole accent schools apparently for received versus high received versus so um, so anyways, if anyone was curious what type, I think that's the type he's going for. Um, so he's a catcher? No, wait. Received? Um, it's not I a catcher. <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, anyways, it's my little, little bit. Oh, and then also um, the mayor had this great, the mayor gets the autopsy report from the, from the coroner uh, or the ME. He's like, with splinters in the heart, the heart, you know, directly punctured. I'm like, yeah, I bet the autopsy would be pretty simple on this, on poor <laughs> vice prince or vice mayor, or the, the what are they called? Deputy, Deputy mayor. Deputy mayor in this case. Um, I think you probably could see wood splinters on, under the microscope. It would just look like like little plant material. But I think you'd see, you know, it wouldn't be normal. All right, let's just put it that way. So, um, or you could see like big splinters, but I'm sure when you're examining it, you're like, what is this weird substance? So, it's good to know that they uh, that that works out. This yeah, episode, I, I guess, what I'm trying to say is, don't think you can stab someone through the heart with a wooden stake, and, and there'd be no physical trace of evidence. What if I uh, then plant the body in the woods? It'll look like the trees did it. 
<laughs> if you then stab them through with a different tree, uh, it's a good question. If you could then secondarily impale them on a tree. Thanks. Uh, Dennis, here the next thing here about uh, Angel. Uh, uh, I say Angel talks to walls. Um, <laughs> when he uh, is doing therapy on quote unquote therapy on faith, he's like, it's like talking to a wall. Only you get more from a wall. I was like, I picture this situation where he like goes up to walls and talks to them and is like, I oh. believe that. <laughs> like, well, you don't think it's capable of hyperbole? <laughs> <laughs> no, not this dude. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not quite sure that he is. I feel, I, I feel like it's more likely he's talking to walls. He's like, I get lonely. You never know when there's a ghost behind a wall. Sometimes I, mean, I talk after, to him. After the Buffy and Angel, you know, correction about what a dyke is, you know, like it's, <laughs> that, like they could be talking about anything. And, like I, I trust everything is very literal. Yeah, know? with those two, when they're talking to each other, it's like, oh yeah, it's like, like listening to dummies the hammer. And then, John, you're commenting about how dangerous it would be to handcuff yourself to a slave. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that Wesley, like, when he decides it's time to arrest Faith, he, he cuffs her and puts the other end of the cuff on his wrist. Handcuffing yourself to a slayer is like handcuffing yourself to a grizzly bear. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's going to do nothing to control them and just put you in more danger. Like, there's no reason to do that. Because no. <laughs> if she wants to get away, she's just going to tear his arm off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a smart move, book guy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have this in the docs here, but like the, the, you know, just the way the whole like watcher council police, you know, like that team activates to go do stuff like it, it's so it's so crazy because it's like they they act so quickly. They're so effective uh, yeah. and they're never in use for any other common. Also, like, are do they effective? They, do you think they flew in from England or do you think they were like like a local standby town that they can? Oh, they mm. that they I can, think they flew in. It it's so shitty fast. they don't do this more often. Like, like the end of the world's coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need like five more people maybe for crowd control for these like the monster swarms. I, I mean, I th I'm starting to get the, the reading between the lines. You know, I'm starting to get the impression on this watch through that like the Watchers Council's primary thing seems to be so far anyway, seems to be making sure that the Slayer is under control. Like not even necessarily using the Slayer to defeat evil, but just making sure it's on, making sure this, whatever the Slayer is, and it's a massive, weird British bureaucracy about controlling Slayers. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's about like, it's interesting because this is like, this is a big conversation, I guess, about like what Buffy is, right? Right. And it's like, if Buffy the show is about like the women getting power, right? They're getting the supernatural power and stuff. But then there's also this British patriarchy attached to it that's like built entirely around controlling it and like killing them off when they reach 18. <laughs> like, yeah. And I still, even though Gwendolyn Post was a, was a watcher, we had not seen a single other female watcher. Yeah. Our only lady one was also our only evil one. Yeah. I almost like don't really believe that there really is, maybe she was the one female watcher. Well, uh, Giles's grandmother was a watcher. He said that. Uh, but just to be fair, I mean, just to be clear, his father was, women yeah. can be part of the patriarchy too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they can participate and actively be engaged in the patriarchy against like the other women's control that happens. Uh, yeah, it is, conf it is interesting to see like the, what the Watcher Council says and what they do and how different those things feel right now. Like the way they've acted is very, very strange. Definitely... I really like what you just said, John, and then it's about the controlling aspect, the bureaucracy, because like that's so true, so well, yeah, so well articulated there. 
Uh, my cat would like to be on the show. Hey, so uh, <laughs> moving on to the special effects thing, uh, you noticed something oh, yeah. about Trick. When um, uh, Buff, when Faith saves Buffy from Trick, um, and he gets dusted, he's like, "Oh, this isn't good. Oh, this isn't good at all." But um, I'd never noticed this before. His eyes pop out of his head and dust separately from the rest of his body. Uh, I've never seen like <laughs> another vampire get dusted that way. So I'd say it's his final trick. <laughs> That's how you yes. know he's a boss monster, right? Yeah, he's a boss monster. Uh, I wonder if it was just the effects guy like having Sorry, a, a little bit of fun. extra fun or if yeah. it was like... Even maybe a digital glitch that happened. I don't know. I didn't like his dying line. Like, I felt like it fit the character for him to say that, but it didn't fit the scene. Like, because the scene is so serious. And then all of a sudden he's like, whoop, I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) What's his dying line? It's, It's, I was like, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. Yeah. And he delivers it well. It's just, it's a weirdly comic line for like this, really, the tone is so serious. But he, doesn't know how serious the tone is, right? <laughs> He's not part of this like big argument that Buffy and Faith are having about like- Dennis, I, I hate to break it to you, Trick's not a real person. He, this is he written by a writer who is trying to create a scene. It should have been like a joke about the economy, like, how am I gonna expense this? <laughs> <laughs> or Lexi's like, you know, my tax report, my, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how it should live, but yeah, it should be some sort of like monetary joke. No, I think your line was really good, Travis. This, this, I guess this is my final trick. That would have been great. That's like a that's like a bad guy from an '80s comic book. <laughs> it's on sale. All right. Uh, okay. Everyone knows where Angel lives. Obviously, mm-hmm. and these are the giant windows that I don't know. It was just crazy. And then and then whenever you have something, a scene at the docks, there are all these vamps that get kicked in the water. And I still think that Joss Whedon doesn't know how to swim. And so he thinks that getting like kicked into the water is, is like hot lava. Like, <laughs> like it's just treated like if you get kicked into the water, that's it. You're done. As a vampire, you're done. You know, it's just, it's just the silliest, just like a really fun like 1980s like fight sequence. Um, I think that, yeah, I like that that kind of got parodied in the Captain, first Captain America movie. I think that might have even oh, really? been like a Joss Whedon line edit. Where like Captain America is like uh, a Nazi is holding a kid hostage and he throws him into the water and Captain America goes in to dive after him and the kid's like I can swim go after the bad guy. Oh uh, okay nice okay. All right well that looks like less of weird noticings we're gonna move on to questions for the group. John you got the first kind of group question. Uh yeah so I the, the a lot of this episode hinges on uh, Faith saying to Buffy, you know, like, we're in this together, you bear equal responsibility. And I just wanted to see from your point of view, I guess, I guess I'm asking morally, not legally, right? Based yeah, on the last episode, know. do you think that Buffy has any responsibility for this death? Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like it was, like, last episode, it was like, we killed a guy. And now it's like, you killed a guy, right? But she didn't do it. She didn't, but she... I mean, it was a two. It was like Alan grabbed her shoulder, right? She grabbed Alan and threw him into the dumpster, right? And then Faith went in for the stab. So it's yeah, Faith did the killing move, and Buffy realized a second earlier and stuff. But they were both engaged in battle at the time, and she did attack Alan. Yeah, like I, I think she, yeah, I think she does bear some responsibility for it. Um, 
And all she wants, for, I mean, I think all that Buffy wants from Faith is for Faith to be remorseful and she refuses yeah. to be, right? And like, yeah. if Faith could be remorseful, they could like be on the same page about it. Yeah, she, I mean, just, wants, she just wants to tell the cops, she just wants to tell Giles. Like, right. you know, she, just wants, she just wants to confess, confess to, you know, her father figure. Yeah. Well, Buffy's clearest moral failing, obviously, is that she wants, yeah, she tries to hide it. I mean, that's like, obviously, that's something she, that makes her complicit just by agreeing to hide it for whatever period of time. Yeah. I think she went, and then she's also, she's probably also accessory, though. She, 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 can, she helps conceal the fact of the murder. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't report it. She um, lies to the investigator. All that'd be accessory. I think. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely. Uh, Dennis, you have the next one here in questions. Uh, I just ask if anyone ever has any drowning dreams, because uh, Buffy has a drowning dream at the beginning of this episode. Happened to anybody? Well, I felt like I'd almost drowned. Oh, yeah, I definitely have drowning dreams. Not all the time, but I almost drowned. I didn't almost drown. It felt like I was drowning when I was 12, but that's only when your kayak capsizes, like near a waterfall. Everyone feels like they're drowning. In that. <laughs> I wasn't close to drowning at all. I, was, I, uh, I, I have a couple near, near drowning experiences. They yeah. both involve not great. my brother swimming up to me and then grabbing me and then stopping to swim and then his weight pulling me under, Yeah, uh, which is terrifying. That's rough, yeah. When someone's pulling you under, I've had that happen a lot. Uh, but I think drowning dreams are supposed to be fairly common. I don't know if I've had them, but I imagine it's just kind of like the feeling of not being able to breathe, right? Is that more of a Freudian dream or a Jungian dream? Let's, we should ask Cordelia. Yeah, I think Cordelia would know. <laughs> well, I mean, they were both invoked, so they're clearly both meant to be. Uh, it's definitely one of my top 10 ways to die. Yeah, definitely one of my top 10 fears of dying. First, right. you, well, wait, you said top 10 fears, and then you said top 10 ways to die. Yeah. Which fears one is it? <laughs> fears of dying, right? Oh, okay. Number one fear is falling out of an airplane. Number two fear is an airplane hitting the ground. Number three is drowning. Number four is shark attack. It doesn't get much better from there. Well, it actually gets better. Those, those are the worst four. So wait, you're, I did, you're afraid of flying, but you're really interested in airplanes and flying. That's like one of your hobbies. I'm a, I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. A complicated man. Interesting. Keep that in my Travis notes. There is a book called Air, like Airplane Confidential. They recommend reading if you're scared of flying because it goes through a bunch of um, like the how, what is actually going on in the plane. I think it's specifically designed for people with flight fear. Hmm. What about frog fear? Uh, man, I'm sorry. You that book's just for Willow. <laughs> Fear frogs. Uh, Dennis, you've got the next couple here. Oh, uh, I say, what's worse, killing a stranger or saying it was your friend that did it? Guys. What's I lie worse? about my friends all the time. And things I've I never I murdered hate. anyone. Is this, is this 10 things I know what you did last summer, Chuck? Nice. <laughs> Not on purpose, but sure. <laughs> or what is it? I know what you did last summer. I totally murdered. 10 things I murdered about you? I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I think someone should mash those films up. That'd be great. Man, if only Heath Ledger was still alive. <laughs> uh, do you guys think, uh, does Willow still computer? Oh, yes. yes, she does. I think Willow still computers. She okay. was ignoring Buffy and playing on her computer. Oh, she was? Well, one part. She was like, click, click. 
I imagine that Willow is learning about spells and stuff from her computer. I imagine she's kind of in the techno-pagan direction. Just like when Giles was like, Willow, can you hack into the mayors? It seemed like they haven't asked her to hack in a while. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Wasn't too many episodes ago, right? Like when they like connected to computers and stuff uh, to find out information about the gingerbread characters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that was more just like research. Okay. With the, the amazing newspaper archive that uh, they have at the Sunnydale Library. Right. So research not being not using computer skills to like stop something. Well, that's because yeah, the show was less a cyber attack show. That was like a one-off. I feel, yeah, I feel like the direction of the show. The use of computers has really gone down. You're right this season. Yeah, I'm way more supernatural this season. Uh, and then Travis, uh, you have the next one here. Oh, yeah. Have you ever thought somebody was actually either older or younger than they actually were? Like Wesley and Cordelia, but not in a creepy way. I don't know what about a creepy way, just one where you got confused. Because I have some really funny, not creepy stories about that. <laughs> uh, I feel like this, happen- this happens to me all the time, especially I've aged a lot these last few years. So like people always think like I'm my brother's father. Like that happens. Really? Yeah, they'll be they like, oh, you look related. <laughs> it's like, we're only like three years apart. I mean, it's, a, it's the beard, though. It's just the yeah, beard. Except my beard has turned white. Uh, and I recently had somebody ask if my um, uh, dad's wife was my sister. And I was like, no. So I just thought. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry people are saying that to you, Dennis. Dennis, you don't yeah. look that old. You don't. Uh, Mike's, Mike's got some really uncomfortable questions. Uh, what was the picture about you and your stepmom, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh. I've definitely thought that my stepmom and me were married, for sure. You, you guys are, like, the same age. so She's a, a year different. older than me, but yeah. That's Boom. Take that, stepmom. Close enough. Uh, this happens to me a lot in improv, but it doesn't bother me. But, like, I just don't ask anybody their age because, like, you're playing on teams with people who are some in their 20s, some in their 50s, and, like, the age thing like is really hard to figure out so it's helpful just to like can that part of your brain but then you know sometimes in a work setting like in this past week i know my not very serious work is just fun but like uh you know when you're hanging out with other people who are younger but you don't know how much younger and then you like you know when you you realize they are and then your opinion of them changes (laughs) just like when you have a cultural miss that's so big you're like were they did you say cultural miss or cultural mist Oh, obviously, cultural mist. Um, it's something that you can spray on yourself if you're ever. It's not a cultural. It's the video game mist. Yeah, I was like whole culture of that video game. No, yeah, I have that experience with like I have a coworker who's in her twenties, and like we were eating ramen last night, and she was like, you know, in elementary school when I was watching this, and I was like, that's something I watched after college. Like, yeah. It's fun when the kids try to guess my age, my students, because they're, you know, the younger ones, they try to guess and they don't have any idea. They don't know anything about ages. So they'll be like, they'll be like, Mr. Landis, how old are you? And I'll be like, I'm not going to tell you. And they'll be like, I think you're 25. And I'll be like, oh, that's awesome. And they'll be like, oh, or 57. And then be like, oh, you just don't know what numbers are above 20. Like, you just, that's funny yeah it's like do you want 25 skittles or 50 skittles and they're like yeah they they don't know that's great (laughs) but it's nice it's nice when you can throw it away because like yeah then you can really appreciate people and anyway you got it at a certain age 
so oh, yeah. this next oh, question. Wait, my story. I oh, shoot, Travis, story. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We were all enjoying telling our stories. We're I know. You're <laughs> freaking stories. Don't listen to me. No, just kidding. No, no. I, I, every once in a while, we'll, um, I'll walk into a room and um, it, it happens pretty rarely, but I'll, I'll you know, supposed to see, see a patient or whatever. And their, their age on my, what I, what I know their age to be and what their age appears is either like totally, is totally discrepant. And every once in a while, you're like, geez, you look 30 years younger than what your actual stated age is. And, and every once in a while, you're like, am I in the right room? <laughs> it happens very, very rarely. But, um, but it, there are some people who look extremely young, even decades younger than that their stated age, than their actual age. It's pretty amazing. And you're like, wow, they've got some good genes. It's, it's crazy. But you don't tell them that, like you don't let on, or is that a, that's like, could be a compliment, right? Where they probably hear it all the time. Oh, no, I mean, if it came up in casual conversation, but you just tell them, but it's, it's, it's an interesting observation when you meet some people and they're, they literally look 20 or 30 years younger and you're like, wow, hope to God I've got some of those genes in my body someday. Um, okay, we'll get started. But do you agree with face assessment that nine out of 10 people are hiding their true selves from you? Um, I, I, I feel like this is like a moral philosophy question and like, it's a larger question than like, just what, like, I mean, face has a like really negative view of humanity. Um, cause I agree that like everybody is like to a degree pretending or whatever, or like, you know, like I'm 10 times more depressed than I let on in every situation in my life. Right. But am I like lying or am I not really that person? Um, I think John's about to come back on. Uh, I don't know. Like, what's real, I guess, is like, isn't the person you pretend to be who you really are if you're trying hard enough at it? Like, I don't, I just, I guess I just don't believe in the assessment of there being like a true self, right? Uh, I just think who you try to be is who you are. I mean, I think, I think Faith's um, worldview is, is extremely, um, uh, extremely, I guess, prejudiced because you know, a lot of John's back um, because I think it hurt. It's a lot of, I think a lot of people have tried to take advantage of her character. And so to me, I mean, this is kind of just like really specific faith's life has sucked. And so many people have tried to take advantage of her. This is what, this is the result of that without, you know, having good friends and having to move around and having no one to rely on. She doesn't know any other way. So that's how I take her, her, con uh, her statement on that is that, yeah. So what happens if you don't have um, a Scooby gang? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Faith has seen more of the darker side of oh, humanity. Oh, yeah. Darker side of humanity. Uh, but I, and I don't think, I mean, I think she's right that it's like you, she has another line or maybe it's in the same speech where it's like, like the most vanilla guy, you like scratch the surface and it's all like, mm -hmm. what does she say? Like naughty nurses and schoolgirls or something. Like we all have shit. We all have like our kinks or our, it's not even necessarily like a sexual thing, but yeah. we all have some shit going on that we like exactly. are like not uh, uh, trying to present to the world. But like that doesn't mean we're all like fucking like devils inside or anything. Um, Wonder who wrote this episode? I'm gonna look at it. Mar it's Marty Knoxon, right? That's what the jumped out to me. Oh right, okay. Uh, no, just, uh, John, are you caught up on what we're talking about? Uh, we're we're still on uh, Faith's comment about people hiding their true selves. Yes. Very good. 
Yeah. I like I really like what Travis I mean I, I really like what Travis said though, where it's like from Faith's worldview, right? Yeah. Like people have you know, like she's been taken advantage of so many times or whatever how challenging her life has been that it must feel like everyone's hiding their true selves. And so she has to be, you know, feel guarded because there's so many transitions that people make. Like I, mean, I, I would love like this to be Marty Knoxon's worldview. But in general, <laughs> just in a life thing, I feel like we are all different to different people. And of course we have a different self we present. So like, yeah, very generally, I mean, it's, you know, morally react differently around different people. But I don't, I don't feel like anyone's hiding. Hiding motive is, is incredibly challenging. It's sinister. Yeah. We're not all Gwendolyn Post faith. Yeah. It you know, just happened that one time. <laughs> but in the in like the context of, of the like of the Me Too movement in, in Hollywood, it's I mean right. it'd, be, it'd be great if this is what Mark Knoxon was like trying to say, you know, 15, 20 years ago, just like you know, and, and just saying it through faith's work, you know, mouth, you know. But like I could see how a lot of people would think that Hollywood is kind of like what faith says, you know, knowing what we knowing what is now, you know, available to the public. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I certainly there's a lot of people who work in Hollywood, so I know it's not nine out of ten people, but I could see that. As, I wish that would be a, that'd be a cool dark read. That'd be really like amazing if that's what this if that's what Mary Knoxon was like. Yeah, I was really frustrated. So I, I may say say this, but it's a it's not just a dark read. It's a deep dark read. Yeah, I mean, dark. Yeah. All right, this, this should have gone in themes, deep stuff then, I guess. I, maybe questions for me. No, no, it'd be cool, but I, I can't remember anyone. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I've heard interviews with, with them, but I don't remember them ever really talking about that. Luffy is a yeah, problematic. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, in light of the Joss Whedon stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that, like, you can have characters that, that say things that so accurately reflect probably what's going on with the cast and people on the show, like things that they know about what might be going on with Joss or how the show felt. And maybe that, I don't, I don't, wouldn't disagree that that's possible, but like it, it works in the moment because they're talking, of course, about the mayor, right? And like the vibe that Buffy's gotten. And then Faith is like, yeah, of course, duh. Yeah, everybody. It's of course crazy. Of course, Joss would be like the mayor of the. Oh, that's... well, I don't know enough about what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm not saying it is. I'm just, I'm just saying like the analog. So uh, let's move on now to themes and deep stuff. Feels like we cracked that egg open. We're ready to get in and start heating, scrambling those eggs. So, uh, <laughs> John, you, podcast. John, you got the first one, uh, the first egg. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's a you lot should. to unpack with uh, with Xander and Faith here, and I don't. I, I think there's some p- different pieces to talk about, but I, I kind of just want to for a second just want to talk about the piece where, uh, you know. Buffy says, you know, something to Xander about like, you know, the, the, the guys that, that Faith sleep with, sleeps with, she doesn't take them that seriously, right? And it's really, it's probably not a thing to her. And Xander does take that personally, right? And I think to me, it's interesting because, uh, and we can get into this later in predictions, but I think Mike predicted, un- totally predicted that Xander was going to go and brag about sleeping with Faith, but he didn't do that. That this clearly... Uh, had some kind of symbolic meaning to Xander, right? And I think it's interesting because uh, I think what's going on, I think this is true for a lot of people. I think it's true for me a lot of a lot of the time. And it's true certainly for me when I was a teenager is that when you are interested in sex, what you're really interested in is like sex as a symbol of acceptance or as a symbol of your value to somebody, right? Of your worth. And I feel like, because um, the, 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 the sex itself, Turns out was not that satisfying to Xander probably 
because especially when what's taken away from it is that it, the idea that it had any meaning to anybody else other than him, it kind of loses the meaning for him too. So it's, it's interesting that Horndog Xander might, you know, there's a level to it where he's, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's sex by way of something else. I think that's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, it's obviously symbolic. It was his first partner. Right. But what he wanted out of it was not to get laid. Exactly. He wanted, he wanted somebody to say yes to him, I feel like, is kind of what that comes down to. No? Yes? Uh, no, no. I, I think that's, I mean, that, I, I, don't, I don't disagree that yeah. sex is a form of acceptance. It absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's no other deeper, I mean, there's other deeper ways, but it's like that is a, a deep way to say that you like someone. And that you think that they're, they're you you like someone right or, but there's what Faith is doing is not that she's pulling right. the opposite out of sex versus Xander might, like for Xander it's acceptance and it's like also thank you it's like a emotional release because they from they escape from the vamp you know whatever the monster they were right it wasn't it's not like transactional it's like emotionally transactional for Xander I guess because then he thinks. Um, as a result of the sex, there is an emotional connection, um, but it wasn't, it's not like typical transactional sex. Um, and for her, it's not transactional at all. It's, it's really, yeah, which is in the moment. I think, yeah, I think for Xander, yeah. Okay. I'm starting to come around. This. Yeah. Xander, it's an emotional yes to him that he mm-hmm. really badly, but there's also that pervert side of Xander, right? Yeah. Which I like, I guess, it's a charitable way to read Xander. And I don't think it excuses any tiny bit of his behavior, like not even a little tiny bit, but um, to think that like, you know, uh, when Xander is like trying to sleep with his teacher and making a lot of like crude comments and crude behavior about it, like his French. Um, that on some level, uh, you know, what he really wants is just, you know, what, what he really wants is acceptance. Right. And that it, it comes down to his own feelings about himself. Uh, and that the, all of the horn dog Xander shit is kind of a smokescreen in that way. But well, I mean, it still doesn't make him not a dick. I mean, he's still a dick with the way he's doing it. But this is all Xander post Xander Xander post losing virginity, right? Right. Like you know, yeah. yeah. Then he's post Zeppo. Yeah, pre Zeppo. Easy. Like his post Zeppo behavior has makes what you're saying make sense, but the pre Zeppo yeah. behavior is so different. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I it's agree. Hard to it's, yeah, agree. Let's talk about Willow and Willow crying in a bathroom. Well, uh, I, no, I, Dennis has a broader uh, lip. Yeah, I think we just, uh, there is a lot of, like, I think there's just a lot of stuff about sex to unpack in this issue. Yeah. In this episode, not issue, this isn't a comic, uh, in general. Like, I mean, from everything from, like, when Faith opens the door and makes, like, you couldn't force yourself on me if you wanted to, like, those kind of rape statements. Totally. To, like, um, her choking Xander out and like beginning to rape him to like um, the kinky angel behavior, the, the stuff with angels kinkiness. Like, I mean, there's just a lot in this episode to look at. I don't know if you, that's, yeah, I wish I knew more. I mean, summary of what some of the stuff that happened this episode, sex. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, um, I don't know what, uh, like, uh, do we want to focus on a specific one? Like maybe go to the Xander choke out. Um, I would love to talk about that. I, would, I, will yeah, let's. Say, I will say faith is totally wrong that, uh, uh, safe words are not for, for wussies. Uh, <laughs> safe words are super important. Um, and I always make a big deal about how the show is kinky and stuff, but I want to say like people who are into BDSM and stuff like are more aware of consent than your average 
person who's just into normal sex like because you have to be to be into that to like be safely into that stuff um <laughs> so that's my like uh, uh general like assessment before we get into it it's um, a psa for the audience yeah it's my psa <laughs> uh also sometimes being choked is fun remember kids uh mike like, <laughs> oh no i i mean i don't i that's an amazing psa that needs to be you every that? episode of this podcast especially but uh I the that scene is so much about her power, mm-hmm. and what she wants, and she, the sex wasn't even the thing that Xander is trying to negotiate. He, but he knows that he has to discuss it, and then the fact that she uses it to, to avoid having the conversation at all, which you know Xander is like, hey, let's have this emotionally vulnerable thing where you admit guilt and we figure out what to do, or you know, like or something, and then she just uses sex power to like and then physical power to talk about murdering him even like i could kill you it's just such a crazy inversion but like if it just felt with the like so per like a such a great reflection of that character and how she thinks about things i'm like uh it made me so it's such a rad scene because it just totally transforms her character into like one of the scariest monsters you've ever you've seen on the show at least for me it was a big emotional reaction for me for that one and then Angel showing up was like, um, like an amazing, uh, like relief. Yeah. Like that was so needed because of the way that was built. But like, anyway, just like how the scene that how that scene worked. But man, like, I, I just to see like I know I made predictions about you know Xander wanting to go back. Like you should never want to be around this woman again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she just took all that trust and and got rid of it because she's she just wants to, she'd rather she's so much happier to alienate i mean the best part is you know that's faith unraveling that's before she's been chained up by two different groups of people okay i mean that's like that's like faith is unraveling but guess what that's before she's really gonna start to unravel which is yeah. amazing for her character again with the chains um i feel like we had a joke about the chains like um, we made fun of the chains in the in the mansion when when Angel first came back. Like all he had were chains and IKEA furniture. We're like, yeah, <laughs> and no shirts and no shirts. It was like, oh, there's the chains. Oh, good. I feel like on the podcast we made fun of that earlier. And yeah. the variety pack of candles. But yeah. now after this episode, he not only has like some more furniture and stuff, but he's got a net. He got to keep. That- <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that seems so powerful too, because then like, you know, I, I brought it up in my, you know, the quote I picked because I, it's crazy to then see Faith use her sexual power again, or try to use her sexual power to get regain control. And like, yeah. that's just one of her powers is the way it comes out. And then you're like, oh, that sex is just like an expression of power. It's not even, you know, the sex is so minimal. Oh, yeah. And it's like, um, even later in on that scene, she still keeps bringing it up. Like, long after the point of like you know that like it's been established this isn't sexual but she's still like are we going to get it on or not like like she doesn't let that go right um yeah which is interesting it's like a lot of it's like that's where her power might come she might think her power comes from sex right i think it comes from magic such it's such a rough sequence man i mean this this episode only would only be better if for some reason they had used that uh the the supply or the the locker the locked room with like the the metal 
Locker the library. The library cage, cage library. That'd be like the only other good cage joke. I mean, this episode needed another cage joke, to be quite honest. <laughs> it would have been fun if they tried to lock her up there. Be like, oh, okay. Could, uh, before we talk about Slayers on the front line, maybe talking about Willow being angry and hurt because that's connected to this first. Sure. Um, yeah, Dennis, you had that question? Or you brought it? You have the, you uh, yeah, I'd say, well, that Willow is... Um, like very hurt this whole episode she's like deeply jealous of uh faith for sharing her people and she's angry and hurt and like um I, like let's just explore that i guess is my like is it justified um where is it coming from i mean i don't know that it needs to be justified because feelings don't need justifications right she feels hurt and her move is to go cry in the bathroom and then later, when she expresses an opinion, she owns the fact that she is not necessarily totally rational or objective and says so, right? So I feel like, you know, her feelings are a lot coming from, like, uh, earlier when she caught uh, Xander and Cordelia, or sorry, yeah, sorry, when, uh, yeah, when she first finds out about Xander and Cordelia, she's like, you'll be with somebody you don't even like before you'll be with me. Well, I'm not right? just talking about um, Willow being jealous of Faith and Xander. Yeah. Also, Willow being really hurt about her about uh, Faith and Buffy's relationship. It's right, okay. Like all her people, right? Um, but I mean, she's. I, I get again, though. I feel like when she talks about her feelings, she does it really well because she does. She does. She doesn't lay a ton of blame down. She just. She. She's. I don't know if she literally uses I statements, but she talks about her feelings and she says, you know, like that the. Uh, the all the slayer all the slayers only talk it makes her feel left out right which is a legit feeling but she does she never crosses the line into saying you're doing something wrong to anybody which i feel like is is important so i'm on team willow on this one uh, no i'm not attacking willow <laughs> uh obviously she's learned from her relationship with oz how to directly state things um yeah i mean i i did not I was not against Willow either on this. It just was a surprise because I'd forgotten. I thought we'd moved on and passed that relationship. And then for it to be like reinvoked as a thing that had meaning was a, is a really special moment that I didn't think the show would honor. And so when it does is really very uh, like sweet. It feels like morally the show knows that that relationship's important to address. I mean, morally, I guess emotionally it's important to address. It's not moral. It's emotional part of the show it was cool but i mean sad i felt sad for her because like that's you know you can't can't once you cross the boundary on that right yeah i I think it's a great moment i think it's really true to the character of willow Mm -hmm. i I thought bang on this scene is bang on like it's, it's perfect and it's so funny just before then i mean they just like they really like they talk about xander and they know and they're like no we don't want to talk about xander having sex and then you cut to willow just ball in this in this in this uh, high school bathroom just uh, yeah to- it feels really uh, you know some things in in buffy the emotional um uh, uh motivations don't seem like they make a lot of sense but here to me it was like someone had a dart and they threw it right right in the center of the, of the dartboard it's like this is this is spot on a, a real emotional reaction to to that news great uh then if no other comments here then uh dennis you had the one before here that we skipped over uh yeah i don't know if we really want to talk about this but uh, i was just saying like um 
the a slayer killing a person on the front line uh the real world analog to that would be police killing unarmed civilians um you know uh which made me think about when when Giles is like the watchers cancel investigates and dishes out punishment if it's deserved and i was just like well if it's anything like the police self-investigating then there'll never be any punishment <laughs> right which I feel like is pretty likely. It's not necessarily like in, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily in the Watcher. Like, I guess the Watcher's Council, we, like we just said, is interested in controlling Slayers, but it's not interested in man. It's not interested in like, it's, it's only going to punish them or not, probably based on their needs, not based on what they actually did. Yeah. Can we side note talk about the deputy mayor for a second? Because there was something that went on last week when we talked about the episode where we're kind of implying the deputy mayor might have some secret information or be revealing stuff to the slayers. And like, there wasn't really enough information in the episode. And then in this episode, they were like super clear that he had information <laughs> for them. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> Wait, did he? Yeah. That's what I'd understand. What do you yeah, mean? Could have. Um, he still kept it greater. Like maybe he was he, going to. He had a paper trail. Is that what you're talking about? This yeah. paper trail situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's slightly Honestly. ambiguous, but it's it's pretty clear that that was what was happening. I think. I feel like he was not going to betray the mayor. I mean, that guy was that guy was on board for so much crap. Like he, you don't you don't suddenly get off board like that late in the game. Like I, I, that's my opinion with regard to that that character. How is um, how does a deputy mayor get to that position? Are they elected on the same like? ballot as the regular ma- as the mayor or is it a position you apply for i want to say they're what? appointed but i don't what know is it, it depend on your local governance in theory you could be yeah. you could, i'm sure you could get it as if, if you receive the second amount of votes um you become the deputy mayor. deputy sounds appointed and it's weird to appoint like just a regular civ unless i mean it's better cover i guess um so i'm just saying how much did you know before you signed up for this job uh, how close was he really to the mayor? How I mean, maybe I say you don't you don't try to jump ship when you when you know the mayor has suddenly become invincible. You don't rock the boat when you're shooting up loose cannons, or you might jump ship. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he just had a regular paper trail. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Maybe not shredded it all anyways. Control. It was like the easiest paper trail to shred. It's probably just embezzled ones. Were there names on the folders that made it clear, like what the information was? Uh, they was there's names on the folders. They say really bland sounding things, though. Yeah, it's like there was an absence of information. That's how they knew he had stuff, right? Mm. It's like I, Nixon's missing tapes. I mean, I think more of it just a it was a dead man's trigger. Maybe. Well, yeah, I guess it was more of a dead man's trigger at this point. I mean, it's not so much of a dead man's trigger as Jenny Calder's. That was like an accidental dead man's trigger. Well, I mean to diverge so much. I just, I, I thought we we're about to wrap up, so it's like oh, I better get this in now. Uh, and we were talking about the, anyway, the murder again. But yeah, I, I, yeah. To return, Dennis, I think you're absolutely right. And like, uh, the show sort of deals with that ish and makes it a makes it a moral thing. That's, uh, but uh, does anybody directly compare it to like the police killing unarmed civilians or like? No, but the discussions just felt so familiar. I, I noticed this too when I was watching it, just this whole like, oh, you made a split second decision. It's not, you know, these accidents are going to happen if you're in the business of, of dealing out punishment in the world. Like it felt like, it felt like a familiar argument that we've, that we've heard. Um, I, I don't think it's, 
intentional on the part of the show and i don't necessarily feel like it is uh not a commentary on yeah and i don't feel like there's that much necessarily like depth to what is happening there because obviously if police were accidentally killing people in an equal way this would be a different discussion that's not the modern discussion right right? like um so i you know i'm not sure that that there's a ton to be gained from that connection but i definitely made it too when i was watching it like it definitely came up for me well, I mean, it's not like they're going to install body cams on the Slayers, right? To like make sure that you know, they're killing the right people. I mean, I think sounds like a good idea now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, John, I think you have the next one here. Yeah, I, I, this is dumb, but like, I just, the, the, the logic of this episode, which I feel like is kind of funny, is that like when you murder somebody and the way that just, I think it's the way Angel talks about it. Like, oh yeah, obviously when you murder something, somebody, what happens is, you realize that you're above morality and it's like, it becomes like this superpower and you cross this magic line. And, and it's just, he talks about it in such certain terms. Like this is just what happens to everybody who murders someone. <laughs> is this a real thing in real life? Do you people who murder people suddenly become like amoral supermen who are no longer bound by morals? Is that what happens? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's the stranger right here. It's, it's, yeah. Is uh, it like that? <laughs> all of a sudden you become Camus and you're like, <laughs> uh, uh, I could really believe, like, if I murdered somebody, I would also then be like, well, why the fuck am I going to, like, uh, bother to keep my car uh, smog check up to date? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I might want to do that even more just to, like, not get pulled over by the cops. But, like, right. for moral, like, <laughs> I, could, yeah. I could imagine being like, well, I've already murdered somebody. Why should I recycle? Yeah, I mean, maybe it is a real thing. I'm just thinking right now, that's kind of what the movie uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors is about. That's a Woody Allen movie. And there's a case of somebody who's decided he's above morality. So there's evidence. <laughs> I mean, there's Sorry. so many. Yeah, so two stories come to mind when you say that. Like one, of course, any, anytime you play Grand Theft Auto, it's absolutely the case. You get one wanted star, might as well go for five. <laughs> no reason to play around. Video game analogies. When? Uh, but then uh, recently, uh, a friend of mine uh, saw a hit and run. And he followed the other car that ran off. Not the plate information, but he was really nervous. He thought the person would like shoot a gun or something like just had like a neurotic nervous feeling while chasing, like while running after the guy to get the plate information because like you're evading a hit and run. And that person probably had an outstanding warrant and that's why they ran or whatever. Right. And I was like, I was like, that's an amazing heroic story. And you were scared and you did it anyway. He's like, yeah, you got to do the right thing, even if it's scary. So, yes. Oh, like, yeah, it's really that person watch Buffy. Because it sounds like they do. Uh, is that a Buffy quote? No, no, is it the Buffy fan? It sounds no, like a- just people who watch Buffy are morally yeah. superior. We, oh! we we we, call, we are called to a higher code than yeah. the average uh, television yeah. viewer. So that's the difference. <laughs> Thank God you finally joined this club of morals. Seriously, we were really worried about you before, Mike. <laughs> I was like. Yeah. He'll never right. be able to ask himself, what would Buffy do in morally dangerous situations? Yeah. I don't think that's a good idea, asking yourself what would Buffy do. In a lot of cases, Buffy yeah. would do the wrong thing. Yeah. It's like, hmm. I'm going to someone who killed the world. Who almost pulled the world into hell. The makeup session. But his anxiety was based on his assumption that when you cross one boundary, you'll do the next, right? Right. Like, there's zero like, boundaries. That's where your brain goes when you think about, oh, what's that person? It's definitely the logical leap. Like, murder one is a huge boundary. There's not many other boundaries. There's no like, murder that's zero. A, that's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, I have ideas of what, what you could call murder, what, what should be called murder, murder zero, but that'd be interesting. Murder zero sounds like a horrible soft drink. <laughs> I think it's, I think genocide is murder zero, right? We're like trying to like get it down to zero. Oh, the number, the total. No, it should be something where you, where you kill, where you, where you, I don't want to, I don't want to go here. I don't want to go here. <sighs> All right. Uh, is there one more here? Yeah. Uh, I just say that I like the, the final argument that Buffy and Faith are having when she's like, oh, like it gives you the lust or whatever. Or she's, like Faith directly addresses that Faith is the dark side of Buffy, Yeah. like which is what her character is. But like for that character to be aware that that's what her character is. Uh, like self-aware that she's the dark version of this. Yeah. She's this, this other girl who seems to have the perfect life. She's Moloch to Indiana Jones. <laughs> Just one step further into the darkness and you oh. and me. <laughs> Raiders, guys. Raiders. Yeah. I thought Moloch was like the Malcolm demon. Is, is, is that a film, Dennis? Is it yeah. some type of uh, filmed entertainment? It is. People should check it out. It's way better than Temple oh, of Doom. Is, is that going to be on the predictions for this week? <laughs> I'm not sure if our fans have heard of it. For the recommendations, you mean? You guys should yes, check that's out what I meant. Sorry, yeah. film. <laughs> Very. <laughs> it's an indie film. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that would be a hilarious like one strip of someone who thought they were going to an indie film, uh, and then it's like happiness or something terrible. Uh, <laughs> There's a new indie. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Movies like Happiness is why you need to read the plot for movies before you go to the movie. I was thinking of other movies where like you'd be totally screwed if you showed up um, outside of um, the Kite Runner. Um, where, where the plot of the movie is something completely different from the title of the movie. Happiness did come to mind. Look, if, if Tom Hanks isn't in the film, you're not going to have a good time. You just need to get a film that's going to be very respectable. Uh, so let's move on. Can we move on now to uh, predictions? Yeah. Yes, we can. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, Michael. Yes. Your current score is a 69.4. So we've been we've been just kind of hovering either side of the sixty nine for a while. Um, so uh, first of all, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to have to handle the fact that Mike said that uh, Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. This is a you know goes back to uh, Inca Mummy Girl. Uh, thanks so much for uh, who is the gentleman who pointed this out to us? Oh, hold on, I'll pull up the name again. Sorry, or lady. I'm not sure if it's a gentleman or a lady. Uh, it is from. Zago V9. Okay, so that person, thank you, uh, for pointing out that Mike did stipulate at the time very specifically that um, that the uh, that that monster would include superpowered ladies. So I that's don't think it counts. I still don't think it counts. Faith. Is I, come on, here. Dennis. <laughs> I'm all about being tough, but come on. <laughs> Exhibit A. Exhibit A hasn't happened yet. We can't, well, we can't start taking into account the future. That's going to make this all more complicated. Will the point then like fall back, you know, when... No. Like, uh, how, about the part, how about the part where he said a monster that he doesn't know is a monster? He knew that Faith was a slayer. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good point. Well, he did certainly seem surprised when uh, she when she threw him on the bed. He definitely shouldn't have gone there alone. <laughs> that was stupid. Did yeah. he go there with Angel? Or was Angel following him? Angel always knows where Xander is because that's his heartbeat. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, because because if it's a plan, if 
if superpowered lady is is considered the definition of a monster, Xander definitely knew that at the time in the Zeppo when it happened. Okay. Hmm. Well, that is a that's an interesting technicality. I think we need to wait for Travis to come back to the camera and uh, give us a vote on this one. I think we might need to put this to a vote. Okay. Uh, definitely a vote. I'm gonna have to think about this. All right. Well, let's let's come back to that. Okay. We'll come back to that at the end. Um, so season three, episode five, Mike predicted that Trick is gone before the end of season three. So he got that. I just thought, I thought he would be gone sooner. <laughs> so that is confirmed. Okay. Mike also predicted uh, in the very next episode that uh, Trick's next caper would be his last. So is this the same caper that we saw in the last episode? That's, that's kind of what makes the distinction here. No, I feel I feel like Mike meant like he would be in it for one more episode. Like there would be like one. Mm, is it a one caper, one episode policy? <laughs> well, I mean, I say caper because we had band candy and it felt like a caper. It, felt it like did, a, yeah. They haven't felt like capers since then. I, I agree with that. So I'm not really sure about this one either. I don't, I don't think it counts. Okay. I, I, yeah, because he's been in, definitely been in two episodes since then since this happened so no, i'm gonna deny this one yeah. uh that's borderline though um one second here sorry spreadsheet problems uh okay uh let's see um this is kind of interesting um Mike predicted that Amy will become human and have a scandalous reveal in season three. And then, but then he also kind of like walked it back and said that Amy will be a rat for the rest of season three. So Mike has predicted both that Amy will become human and that she will stay a rat for all of season three. Um, neither of which have, you know, has come to fruition yet. Just it's interesting that Amy the rat was mentioned in this episode. So they're keeping that alive in our minds. You know, it's, it's, it's not going away. Can't wait for okay. that scandalous reveal. Um, here we're getting to some of the meatier stuff here. Xander will tell people about his faith hookup. This Mike predicted two episodes ago um, that Xander will tell people about the faith hookup um, from Zeppo. So he, did he tell people? Because they he sort of hinted and then they figured it out. What do you guys think? Did he tell people? I think it, it counts. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to call that one confirmed. Okay. Um, Mike predicted that Faith will get slut-shamed by Xander in a future episode. That didn't happen here. So, like, the way that he told people is not the way that we would have guessed for Xander or the way that Mike would have guessed or that I, for that matter, would have guessed. So, so that's going to stay open. He could still do that in the future, but we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike predicted that Xander won't have sex with Faith again. I think that's a good bet that's going to be confirmed, but technically we're going to leave that open because it could happen. But uh, I seems like a, seems like a strong bet at this point. <laughs> yeah, almost did. He almost had sex again. Uh, this one I don't feel good about. But um, this one, okay. Mike predicted Xander will make out with Faith again. Now in this, there's a there's a kiss, but I'm not going to call this making out. I feel like like I really have to not call this making out because if this is making because out, that's that makes me feel gross. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we should count sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. This is my point. Uh, We're taking a stand. Yeah. Um, so I <laughs> that's, guess I, that's a that's a very good point. That sexual assault should not count as a makeout. Any 
Uh, yeah, non-consensual touching. Yeah. yeah. So again, we're going to leave this open because it could happen again. Seems unlikely. Could happen. Probably not. Okay. Um, this is, okay. So season three, episode 13, though, saying again on Zeppo, Mike's did say Xander is not over Faith. He thinks that something should happen. Yep, I think that's cool. confirmed. What yeah. do you guys say? That's yeah. the point. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. And then we have, uh, uh, in the last episode, Mike predicted that Faith is going to face the consequences for killing a human in the episode, Consequences. Did she face any consequences here? I mean, she yeah. faced them, I guess. She, she, was, didn't, she wasn't punished, but she did face them. She was put in chains two times. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's one version of consequence. Uh, <laughs> it's not the ultimate consequence, but that's um, a consequence. I'll tell you, when I thought she was going to watch her jail, I got really excited. <laughs> I, I would say it doesn't count because she got away with it, right? Like, she yeah. Escaped, but she, what she does it mean to face consequences? What is facing? Does facing just mean that you look at them? Because she looked at them. She no, faced them. She, no, she was locked up. I think this is the exact same situation as when Michael predicted there would be revela- like revelations and revelations. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, were, there were definite consequences. They kidnapped her. And put her no, in- no, no, That's no, like saying there would be bad girls in bad girls. <laughs> There's obvious consequences in here. No, I mean, come no on. she avoided the consequences. She's now maybe in league with the mayor, so she won't get arrested. Like... Um, like she avoided the consequences. No, the ironic. Consequences, she has no friends and she, she didn't avoid anything. I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how not, how getting kidnapped and locked up twice is not a consequence. That, that, but here's the, here's the thing that makes consequences. She's not dead. Here's the thing that makes my prediction right. Like Travis said, is that I predicted that it would get resolved immediately. The, the, the murder thing would be the thing. Right. And like, that may not be a tough prediction to make, but it felt like clearly the murder is the biggest deal in the room and there has to be consequences for it. Right? What if like, not to, what if later on she faces more consequences for this, then that would yeah, be that's more consequences. consequences. <laughs> you already faced a consequence. There's okay, more. So that's, can we just, maybe just delete it. Cause the consequences is too vague to say consequences in the way that you're bringing it up. Yes. There were consequences. Yeah. So it's confirmed. Either. Yeah, either delete it or confirm. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm going I'm gonna go ahead and confirm it. I right, for me, for whatever stupid reason, I'm hanging on like the semantics of what it means to face a consequence. Because if I <laughs> right. face north, I don't go north, I'm just looking at north. She faces you know what I mean? the potential of serious consequences. Yeah, she she's uh, yeah. becomes aware of consequences. She looks at them, she considers them. There's literally no way Michael could have gotten this wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> Got lucky. He screwed up the whole revelation thing, but he got the consequences episode right. Um, what are you going to predict about the next episode? D- Doppelgangland. I think there will be, be there will be twins. <laughs> there will be doppelgangers. I mean, no one guess who's size. doppelganged. I'll give you a point if you can guess who's doppelganged. Well, he watches it on Hulu, and so he knows. I don't, I don't know this one yet. Not okay. this, the way it was flip, flipped. It, they've changed their UI slightly. Okay. So Travis, what, when you were away from camera, we were having a discussion and we wanted to get your take on this. And I'm not still sure where my vote's going to go. So a fan pointed out to us that our definition of monster should definitely include faith. And I think at this point, there's not really much argument about that. Dennis wants to talk about something from a future episode. 
I'm ruling that that is uh, not admissible evidence. Okay. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, however, Dennis also pointed out, and this is, this is key, right? That Mike's prediction says Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. So in the Zeppo, when Xander sleeps with Faith, he knows she's a slayer. And if our definition of monster includes slayers, he definitely knew what he was getting into. Therefore, that prediction is not confirmed. Dude, what are you talking about? Did Mike say that? He <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, here's the deal. Mike said that he would have sex with a monster. We that he that. doesn't know is a monster. That, that he doesn't know is a monster. Was that in there? I don't remember. Yes, the, 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 word, the, the letter of the prediction, and again, I'm, I'm reading it verbatim here. Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. Well, we took his money. Uh, that's the bet. I mean, it's totally awarded. It doesn't make any sense. I, either, either, either the whole point is Mike has a zero prediction rating or, or not. I guess that's, I don't understand this. It's, it's, yeah, it, to me, it's awarded a point. I don't care that much, but <laughs> a monster by his definition. In addition, he doesn't know that he would go on, she would go on to kill someone, thus really becoming a monster. I mean, there's a different ways you can count this. Um, right. Well, no, I mean, I think that, that, monster, which she is, and then she's right. figurative. Right? By any so definition, we she's a monster. Yeah. The I question is, he didn't. The question is, I, I, I think, okay, I'm leaning towards, um, we're going to, I'm voting to leave this one open because again, he could still have sex with a monster in the future. He could have sex with, uh, you know, somebody and they could turn out to be a, I thought the Virginia, a werewolf or something, but he, like, no, no, wait, hold on, hold on. Is this kind of the Virginia? Because there were two separate predictions. One, he would lose his virginity to a monster. And then two, he would have sex with a monster. He didn't know was a monster. No, there's not two separate predictions. Oh, there, there's, were. there were two separate predictions in that whole thingy. That's what. Made, oh yes. I'm sorry. Yes, it's yes. Too separate. you're right. I'm sorry. You're correct. That's what I'm saying. Why are we still arguing about this whole? This whole okay, section? sorry. So, okay, he, so he will. He did make the prediction in the future. He will have sex with a monster. He doesn't know it's a monster. So, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Travis. The the loss of virginity prediction is definitely denied because what it says is Xander will lose his virginity to a monster in season four. So that one is denied without a doubt because Xander can't lose his virginity twice. Okay. The other one. I feel like I'm in law school. <laughs> the one that we're debating here is Xander will have sex with a monster that he doesn't know is a monster. Oh my God. <laughs> he will. Michael, spoil alert. He will. You win your bet. I mean, I'm just tired of this fucking prediction, dude. It's, it's, true. <laughs> it's true. You win. I mean, I'm going to screw everything up here. It's totally true. He, we will have sex with a monster he doesn't know is a monster. And, oh, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> wow okay we broke want to keep coming at me with with predictions because i'll spoil the rest of buffy you know <laughs> all right let's move on let's move on okay so wow. um i'm leaving that prediction open uh no, it's true close it uh, uh, we'll we'll cross the bridge when we come when we get there okay anyway mike <sighs> you might be pleased to know that you have leaped uh up a percentage point to a 70 God. all right great uh, I'm ready to move on with some new predictions. Uh, Wesley and Cordelia are going to hook up. Please be uh, more specific. That's true. They're going yeah, to hook up is very vague. Okay, they're kiss, not gonna, more they're than going, kiss. They're, love, they're going to kiss. They're going to, they're going to kiss. Perfect. Wesley and Cordelia are kiss. Wesley is going to tell the Watchers Council to fuck off. He will not literally say fuck off. So he's not going to work with the Watchers Council anymore. 
That's what you're saying. Like he's gonna he's gonna not work with them in the future. Wesley is going to leave the Watchers Council. Either by his choice or their choice. Perfect. Next by his choice. choice. By his choice. Either um, one. No, don't be specific. Keep going. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the specific ones for this one. I want, I said Faith is going to commit a more serious crime than murder. But I don't know what that is yet. And then uh, Faith will be tried by the Watcher Council. I do think they're going to get her. But I think treason is more serious than murder. Like if you want to, like legally. Like friend treason. Friend treason is worse. Yeah. If you steal state, if you st- steal state secrets. If you commit treason as a, armed, a member of the military force, uh, armed services, um, if you commit you commit a serial killer, all that is more serious than actual murder. Hmm. Okay, I don't know about that stuff. So. All right. How about she'll just be tried by the Watcher Council? All right, that's it. Those three. Okay. They are so noted. So it goes to the Dennis kill count. All right. Uh, low kill count this week, um, three vampires. Uh, I didn't count the vampires that got thrown in the river. I thought they survived, although uh, <laughs> Travis's argument maybe means I should have counted them. Um, it could be holy water in that bay. We don't know. That's Whoa, that would be really serious. <laughs> uh, uh, be like yeah. alcohol seltzer. <laughs> be like falling into piranhas. Um, and then recommendations. Recommendations. Yeah, uh, I recommend uh, the movie... Diabolique. Uh, it's a French film where uh, two women plot a murder and then the rest of the movie is about them trying to get away with it. And there's even like really similar scenes to this episode where they're like, when they're, it starts to unravel and they're like, I'm going to call the police and tell them it was you. And they're like, not if I call the police first. <laughs> and that just reminded me a lot of when Buffy and Faith are unraveling. Um, uh, and then, you know, if you're going to talk about like movies where people are trying to get away with murder, like Hitchcock is like the best at that. So Strangers on a Train and Dial M for Murder are like people trying to get away with murder the whole episode. Uh, and then I'm going to recommend Man Bites Dog because if Faith had watched Man Bites Dog, she would have known the proper way to weight a body and it <laughs> would have been soft. Uh, so those are my recommendations. <laughs> Uh, does anyone else have any? All right. Well, no. Anything I would recommend based on the scary faith scenes in this film? Would, yeah, would be. Or, yeah, I wouldn't want to watch those movies again. <laughs> I thought about doing some of those, but then I was like, I, maybe I can hold them for save them for later, like audition or something. No oh, audition. Oof, that movie's rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Want to close close this out? Yeah, please. Uh, uh, well, Dennis, please. Yeah, you can find uh, my comics uh, on my site, denniscomics.com. You can buy, buy my horror comic, The Land of Many Monsters, and many more monster tales on Amazon. I'm on Twitter at, Den- at Dennis Comics. Uh, Michael Poli, at Michael Poli on Twitter. I'm doing a vlog. It's maybe bi-weekly now. We'll see what it ends up being. <laughs> Depends on my uh, level of excitement, but it is on YouTube. Uh, user is Michael Poli. Um, and then you can find Buffy Virgin, yeah. where you find us. We're oh, yeah, over. we're on Twitter, uh, Buffy Virgin Pod. We're on Instagram, Buffy Virgin. We are at BuffyVirgin.com, Facebook, Buffy Virgin. And on YouTube, uh, we don't have a channel name yet because we have to have slightly more views to be able to name our channel. But that's going to happen any day now. Be able to name our channel, uh, the Buffy Virgin channel. But until then, you uh, just you just. <laughs> 
Everybody uh, click on those videos so we yeah. can name the channel. <laughs> and please like us and subscribe and uh, comment and interact with us. Thank you. Yeah, we yeah. read all your comments and we are including them in the reactions uh, section, which is the new section, so that everyone knows that we do. Cool. We'll catch you next time.